Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. In today's episode, we continue our ride guide series with Boat Rides of Epcot, some of our favorite rides in the parks. Find old episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, where we receive bonus content. You can also support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Get started by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. If you have any questions for us, email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. You can also find us on YouTube now at youtube.com slash at Disney Deciphered. Please like and subscribe. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So we are continuing on our ride guide series, talking about some of our favorite boat rides at Epcot Center. Looking forward to this. Uh, really enjoy the boat rides there and some new news about one of them. Uh, but before we get to that, let's start, as always, by thanking a new Patreon member. So, Leslie, who do we got to thank today? Today, we are thanking new patron, Christina P. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. If you're interested in joining in our elite group of patrons, you can go to patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered and subscribe there. You'll get access to our free Facebook group, unfiltered episodes, all sorts of bonus content when we're in the parks. Yes. Thank you so much, everyone, for supporting. So let's get right to it. We're going to start in the Norway Pavilion Boat Rides of Epcot's World Showcase. Um, let's start with Frozen Ever After. Before we get to the Frozen Ever After in the Norway Pavilion, just because um, it is currently in the Disney zeitgeist, Leslie, did you see the new animatronics in the Frozen Ever After in Hong Kong Disneyland that's going to be opening soon? I have not seen it. I saw the headline. I have not actually seen anything beyond the headline. So you're going to have to fill people in. They Spoiler look alert. so much better. It is like such an upgrade from, uh, for those of you who don't know, I guess this is a spoiler alert for our ride guide that's about to come up, but the Anna and Elsa animatronics in Frozen Ever After in Norway, in Orlando, it's actually like, it's almost like mannequin heads and they're like projecting Anna and Elsa's face on them. Um, and it looks, I mean, it looks okay from some angles, but it looks really weird at other angles. Well, I don't know if Hong Kong Disneyland is going to have maintenance issues because of it, but they're like full-fledged animatronics. They look great. So uh, if you haven't seen it yet, go check out the pictures online. And Leslie, after we're done with this episode, you should go check them out online. But why don't you tell us the background of Frozen Ever After? Because, you know, with this very popular new attraction, you know, something had to be lost for that. So tell us the background of Frozen Ever After in Norway. Sure. I mean, this is this is the episode where we get to geek out because it's all about kind of Epcot history. Joe and you and I uh, live that and love that. So Frozen Ever After, for those of you who are new to Disney fandom, used to be an attraction in the Norway Pavilion and um, World Showcase called Maelstrom. And that opened in um, July of 1988 and lived until October of 2014. So for the bulk of my childhood and early adult years, and 
there's a really great Disney Dish episode, podcast episode about the history of Maelstrom. And it sort of tells like the wacky story of the negotiation with uh, Norwegian tourism for it to come to be. So go back and find that and listen to that if you care about all the history. But but Maelstrom used to be a ride that celebrated sort of all things Norway. And it was a really weird mashup of things like trolls and oil rigs and, you know, modern history. And, and, and so it was it was a really weird kind of unique attraction that would never ever be built today it was absolutely one of my favorites as a child i wrote it all the time i love the freaky trolls and you know a lot of people were really sad when the word came down that a norway ip had you know become so popular (laughs) or scandinavian ip had become so popular in disney with the hit of frozen so this was closed down um in 2014 and then reopened in 2016 june 21st 2016 as Frozen Ever After. Uses the same ride vehicles, uses the same track, but a totally different storyline and totally different set of scenery. Yeah, so it is a boat ride, although there's like some mild thrills in it, there is no height requirement. There's not even any restraints really to worry about, no bars to be pulled down. So people of any age can ride this attraction and any size, you can bring your baby in a carrier uh, if you'd like. So that's uh, important to know. Now, the premise uh, as it comes from Disney is voyage to Arendelle aboard an ancient Nordic vessel as you take a musical tour of the wintry world of Frozen. So let's uh, go through this attraction. Starting with the queue, it does stretch pretty far, like Oftentimes, you'll see it stretching outside all the way past Akershus, like in the middle of the Norway Pavilion. Um, There's also a significant amount of the queue that's inside. It is nice and cool in there. So in the summer, when you finally get inside, it's pretty great. But uh, when you enter the ride building, you know, one thing that I've always noticed is it's kind of super dark in there. It's like a nighttime fishing village scene in Arendelle. There's lots of references to the movie. Probably one of the cutest parts is Wandering Oaken's trading post and sauna. Um, That's really cool. If you remember from the movie and there's like portraits of characters and cool window effects that uh, I won't spoil here, but but really it's just snaking back and forth. And it's it's not that like big of, it doesn't feel like that big of a room, but there are a lot of switchbacks. And so they pack a lot of people in there. And then like we said, it still, um, you know, backs up outside. So that's the queue. Uh, you get onto a ship with four rows that seats two to three across. Um, and, you know, the ride does run through quite a few people so you know what's the ride capacity leslie and um why don't you run through the ride for us some mild spoilers if you haven't seen frozen one that's right so ride capacity is about a thousand per hour so that's pretty solid i mean it's not one of the biggest people eaters but it definitely moves folks more than a lot of other um top tier attractions so in terms of the ride run through once you get on that sort of viking ship and it's the boats sort of feel a lot to me like like a pirates or a small world, not quite as big as I'd say as a pirates, but that's what you're what you're sailing on. And the premise of the ride is that you're commemorating the anniversary of the day that Anna saved Elsa. Um, 
through um, the final scene of Frozen 1 that I think everybody at this point knows and probably has watched a thousand times if you have young kids like we do. And the celebration that's happening is a summer snowy day. So they're sort of using Elsa's powers to transform a summer day into a snowy one. And so it allows the boat ride to kind of be a greatest hits of the movie. And you're going to journey past all of your favorite characters from the movie. You're going to first see Olaf and Sven singing. You're going to see Grandpa Troll telling the stories to the little ones. Then you're going to go to Elsa's Ice Palace and see her pass Anna and Kristoff. And then finally, um, Marshmallow, that big puffy snowman guy with his little snow babies that you'll see him at some point in the ride as well. There are lots of songs featured. You'll hear, um, Do You Want to Build a Snowman? In Summer, Let It Go, and First Time in Forever. So again, greatest hits. And we already alluded to the fact that there will be animatronics along the way with weird projected faces <laughs> yes semi animatronics so uh it is it is good to see that at least the hong kong version is moving away from that um but yeah it is a lot of fun i think they really designed it to hit all the beats that your kids would expect from a frozen ride and it really you know does that really well it's a really well done ride um one thing we didn't mention is uh spoiler alert but again it's not a huge part of the it's like at this point you know the story um but the boats do go backwards at one point that was used to be a huge part of maelstrom um a very scary part of maelstrom if i recall correctly it is not as scary now it's much more dramatic and um you know it's it's really well done what they've done with everything so although rip maelstrom i do feel like they did a really good job with uh frozen let's talk about you know who this attraction is for i would say obviously if you're a frozen fan it's a no-brainer really nearly everyone can ride this like we said there's no height restrictions who might not like the attraction it can get pretty dark so if you're afraid for, of that or if you're afraid of mild drops um, and going backwards like i said you might not like it i think another thing this isn't like a deterrent for the attraction but you should know that you will get wet um, and not necessarily because you're getting splashed, you will get wet because the times the attraction runs and there's no one in the seats, the seats get wet. And like, you know, the number of times I've come off this attraction with my butt being wet, even though like my top side and my front are not wet, um, is way too many, uh, you know, bring something to sit on or just even sit on your poncho because it's a little damp and, uh, can get a little bit gross. Yeah, totally agree. This is one of those ones you kind of need to slide forward in the seat and not sit right back against it because it can get a little bit wet. But I mean, it depends, though. It's one of those rides that's very weird. And at Pirates, it's the same way. Sometimes you can get quite splashed and sometimes you get avoided entirely. So, yeah, you just, just be prepared for that. But it is it is nice and cool on a summer day because you get the air conditioning and then you get splashed and and uh, it's very welcome in the summertime, maybe not so much in the winter. All right, Joe, well, let's talk about lines and strategy. Uh, what about Genie Plus and Lightning Lane for this attraction? So this is on Genie Plus. I would say it is like a tier two attraction to get, or, you know, it's like, it's probably the second or third attraction you're going to want to get. Test Track goes faster, um, but, and like Test Track, I think it feels like there's less slots. Frozen Ever After, it doesn't go as fast, but it's not going to stick around for the entire day. Um, and it'll start backing up to later times. I would say if you like 
must get on this ride if this is like a must do attraction for you and you have genie plus then you might want to prioritize it over something like test track just because um or remy's just because you know it is it is going to back up but remy's and test track are going to go first and then this one is probably going to go after that yeah i agree i'm not sure you can necessarily count on getting this as your third selection so if you're going to select test track and remy's first it could be that Frozen is gone for the day. So I feel like you can reliably get this as your second attraction in Epcot as long as you're not going on like a crowd level 10 day. But again, if you have a Frozen fan in the family, um, it's probably got to be your top choice or at least rope drop it. So let's talk about um, standby line strategies. Yeah, so this is a great attraction to rope drop, especially with Remy's being around now. From the International Gateway, if you're coming from, you know, Swan, Dolphin, Beach Club, Boardwalk, Pop Century, Caribbean Beach Resort, all the Skyliner resorts, a lot of people are going to, as soon as the rope drops, you know, even if you're like further back in the rope, a lot of them are going to go straight to Remy's. And because of that, it's a longer walk to Norway and Frozen. Um, I find that at rope drop, it's really not that bad. Like if you rope drop frozen, and I guess this is another option if your kid really wants to get on frozen or you want to really get on frozen. If you rope drop this as your first attraction, most people are going to test track Remy's. And also we said it does like a thousand people an hour during this early entry period, people get through it pretty fast. So, you know, if you're really far up on the rope, like if you are like one of the first people on Remy's, you can probably make it over to Frozen and not have much longer than a 10, 15 minute line, like right after that and do both of them during that early half an hour entry. You are at an advantage if you're coming from the International Gateway. It's a little bit of a longer walk coming from the main entrance. But one nice thing, again, for coming from the main entrance, a lot of people are going to stop at Test Track before they get to frozen. And so you, if you're rope dropping frozen, you have an advantage there. And then on the back end from the international gateway, same thing, except for people are stopping at Remy's. Uh, what are other times to get on frozen um, that you found without like too much of a line? Yeah, sure. So the best time I've found for late night folks who, who can't do the early entry is to ride it during the evening spectacular, whatever it is and will be <laughs> in the coming uh, months in Epcot. But that's that's when a time when the lines really go down because everybody's sitting around watching for the show to start. And oftentimes, I think to discourage people from getting in the queue and having to keep the ride open late, long past close, the posted wait time will be very long for Frozen after ever after. Don't believe it because it's never that long. It may say something like, you know, 60 minutes in reality reality, it could be five. I've seen that happen personally. And this was especially true when the ride was still sort of newish and they were really trying to discourage people from, from riding it. The demand is still there for this attraction, but it's not as much as it was, say, four years ago. So it will be a shorter line. <laughs> yeah, definitely agree. Um, I'm not sure when Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind is going to go off virtual queue, but once that goes off virtual queue, even more so, you know, people are going to be rope dropping that, like spending their time in line doing that. So Frozen has, for better or for worse, solidly become like in that second tier or that A minus tier of attraction, that one B tier of attraction at Epcot, like I said before. And so that works pretty well. Speaking of tiers and um, not to confuse people with different tier lists, but a reminder that for these attractions, we do a tier ranking at the end S 
being the highest and then A, B, C, D, F. So what ranking, uh, tier ranking would you give Frozen Ever After, Leslie? Um, this might be heresy, but I give it an A. I really like Frozen Ever After. I was a huge Maelstrom fan. It still preserves a little bit of the weirdness to me. Um, and it's just a ride that like everybody in my family can enjoy now that it's on Genie Plus. It's gettable for us. Don't have to pay anything extra beyond the Genie Plus cost. And I like Anna and Elsa, um, and I like Frozen. So I I really enjoy this attraction. What about you, Joe? Wait, which way do you think it's heresy, up or down? <laughs> Overrated or underrated? <laughs> well, I should hate it because I love Maelstrom, and I should yeah. be mad that it's there and Maelstrom's no longer there. I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah. It's a A-tier attraction for myself as well. Um you know, I think it's like like we said, it's really well done. I think it hits all the beats. I'm just repeating myself that you would expect from a Frozen attraction, and you really need a Frozen. I mean, it is such a huge film. You understand why that attraction needs to be around. I know people will ding it for kind of like the it, it was emblematic of the introduction of IP um, into Epcot and like losing the original mission of Epcot, but. You know that sh- that ship has long sailed, and um, you know we'll give it a pass for that. So solid A tier attraction from both of us. All right, let's move to a very different type of IP uh, in Epcot. Over in the Mexico Pavilion, you can find the Grand Fiesta Tour. As you enter the Mexico Pavilion, and you got all the you have San Angel Inn in the front of you um, with uh, Chichen Itza, the model in the background inside the Mexico Pavilion, but on the left. You know, tucked away in the little corner is the Grand Fiesta Tour featuring the three Caballeros, Leslie. So let's talk a little bit about this boat ride and where did this come from? All right. So this was originally like Maelstrom, uh, an old school Epcot attraction. In fact, it was uh, opened with Epcot in 1982 called El Rio de Tiempo, the River of Time. And it was just a slow moving boat ride through Mexican history and sites and very much old school Epcot in keeping with sort of the educational themes of World Showcase. And that lasted until 2007 when the three Caballeros animatronics and scenes were added. But unlike with Frozen and Maelstrom, this wasn't a complete redo. This was more sort of adding the three Caballeros to what already existed. So there are elements of the older attraction that are that are still very much there and you get kind of a hybrid um just the ip being added but three caballeros for folks who don't know it's a movie from the 1940s a disney movie um starring uh donald duck and then um jose from brazil and panchito from mexico and and uh, their their misadventures so a lot of people kind of it's a deep cut for a lot of people so it's a lot of people don't even realize that there's a you know, a Disney movie attached to this. Yeah, it is a little bit dated. Um, the animation, you know, is a little bit dated, but still it's kind of tough to dislike the three caballeros. They are just a lot of fun. Um, and so they kind of help to make the attraction. So again, this is a boat attraction, so there's no height requirement. Um, and Disney says, take in the sights of Mexico and the antics of three feathered amigos on this gentle boat ride through the Mexico pavilion. One of, you know, there's not much of a queue. It's very minimal. You're kind of going through an old 
I mean, like the whole entire Mexico Pavilion is kind of like mission themed. Um, so you're going through like what looks like walls of an old mission or open walls. I'm um, like those arches things. I'm not doing a good job of describing this here, but uh, yeah, not much of a queue. Normally, like you're not going to wait in the queue too much, except for at random times. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. It goes through a ton of people, 1600 per hour. Yeah, let's talk about the ride run through. I would say the best part of the ride is at the very beginning. You pass San Angel in restaurant with Chichen Itza on the left and the restaurant on the right stars all above you on the canopy as you start cruising down the Rio Grande. Um, and, you know, even though it's technically a dark ride, it's pretty bright in there because you're going to pass a lot of famous sites and cities in Mexico. Um, and the whole time, Panchito and Jose, they're just looking for Donald for a concert. So it's like a combo of sets, animatronics, and also just screens. Um, and, you know, it is, it's, it's pretty odd and out there, I would say, but uh, it has its charm, especially if you've done it a few times and maybe had a few drinks. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's just a, kind of a triumphant ride in a lot of ways. It's silly. It's irreverent. I mean, in a completely family friendly kind of way. And it's just a happy, a happy boat ride. It ends with fireworks over Mexico City and the three caballeros singing their concert. So it's um, definitely not the latest and greatest in technology. It does have a lot of dated things. A lot of the videos that you'll see on screen were clearly filmed 20 plus years ago. Um, you can just sort of tell by what people are wearing and, and the, the things that you see in the background of the cities, but um, it totally works. So let's talk about who this attraction is for, Joe. Yeah, it's pretty much for everyone. Um, you know, it's one of those nice attractions that you can just ride and just like relax a little bit, cool down in the summer. Again, these boat rides are great for cooling down. It's a lot of fun. Um, you do get to see a lots of sights and sounds from Mexico. If you can not get too distracted by the, you know, anthropomorphic ducks running around looking for their friend. Um, and so it, I mean, it is a cute attraction and my kids go on it and they're they're They kind of walk off like, what was that all about? But at the same time, you know, they don't hate it either. So really, I think anyone can take this attraction. And it's, and it's one of those attractions where like you're wandering into the Mexico Pavilion. If there's no line, you're just going to hop on um, if you've got like five minutes to spare. Speaking of which, let's talk about um, standby strategies. Now, there's no Genie Plus for this attraction. In general, like I would say, Leslie... I've only like every once in a while I'll go into the Mexico pavilion and there'll be huge lines, especially like at 11 o'clock, right? When it first opens and maybe at dinner time and meal times. But other than that, you know, it does feel like there's not much of a line for this attraction at most times. Yeah. The only time I've ever really stood in a line is if I'm going, I mean, maybe sort of mid afternoon on a really hot day when everybody wants to get some air conditioning. And then you've got like a lot of the other rides have got extreme, extremely high weights. And so people come to this as a default, but I mean, I almost never stand in it. So just check your, your app and check the wait times. And as long as it's under 15 minutes, it's probably five minutes and you'll be on the boat pretty quickly. So definitely one that I fill in. I, I do it pretty much every trip. I mean, I can't think of a trip in my adult life that I haven't done it because it is so easy to get on. Yeah, definitely agree. I mean, it's harder to get into 
way harder to get into La Cava Tequila than to get on this attraction. So, you know, and maybe you're waiting to get onto to La Cava Tequila and you just have people, one person standing in line, you guys rotate riding uh, three caballeros. Honestly, that's probably a large line generator for the attraction. All right, so let's give our quick uh, tier ranking for this attraction. I'll go first this time, Leslie. I'll put this as a solid B tier attraction. I think if we did minuses, I would maybe make it a B minus and make it closer to a C just because it is dated. But I don't know, something about the attraction, the charm of it, um, Donald. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Like you said, there's a lot of high positive energy in it. It's just weird and quirky enough, uh, old Epcot enough for me that uh, I, I do really enjoy it. And with the short lines, I feel like it's a B tier attraction, something that you can ride solidly every single time, even when every once in a while, the animatronics at the end are broken. What do you think, Leslie? Fair point, fair point. For me, it's a B as well for many of the same reasons. I love that I don't have to strategize too much for it. It makes me feel like I'm in Epcot in the 1980s and the early 90s where everything was a simpler time, both in terms of what the rides offered and in terms of just how to plan your day and not have to worry so much about all these other things that we now juggle as we take Disney vacations. So great throwback. I do like the addition of the characters. I think it fits in a way that some overlays don't necessarily fit. Like I say, it's something that I do every time in Epcot and, and my kids love it. My kids actually like the weirdness. I have, I mean, we have weird families, Joe, right? Yes. That's an understatement. That's an understatement. All right. Well, this has been a little bit short, so you know what? I cannot leave without talking about living with the land a little bit epcot's third boat ride and honestly leslie if we didn't talk about it someone would get mad at us um if we're doing the boat rides of epcot now we're not gonna go through the full ride guide for this but you know just talking about the premise living with the land is in the land pavilion um in oh leslie i just learned all these but i've already forgotten i'm gonna i'm gonna guess world nature and i'm gonna look it up after this episode is <laughs> over and we'll see uh, what it is world celebration world discovery so i think it's world nature i think you're right I, yeah i think i think i nailed it right mm -hmm. um so it it's it's basically like a slow boat ride and this is pro this is the longest boat ride out of all the boat rides at epcot and you know it's like over 10 minutes long and it kind of talks about the history and the science behind farming in america and also at epcot like you go through some scenes with animatronics about farming and then you also go through greenhouses where they actually decor um, decorate well they do decorate um, during the holidays and they do display the plants that they're growing in a very decorative way but um, they also grow stuff that's actually used at the parks and, you know there's the behind the seeds tour where you can go into those greenhouses and really get your nerd on. I've had some clients do that that have really enjoyed that. You know, I hope to do that one day um, with my kids when they're a little bit older and can nerd out a little bit more with that. But overall, it's just a very slow, relaxing attraction. Great place to learn and great place to take a nap as well, Leslie. Fair, fair enough. I, I love that you've gone off script. I thought we were covering the boat rides of World Showcase, not the boat rides of Epcot. Yeah, but, uh... but there's only one other one, so I might as well. <laughs> there only there. is, yeah, there is, and a lot of people kind of think of that um, geographically, sort of close to 
uh, Journey into the Imagination, The Seas with Nemo and Friends, et cetera, et cetera. So, so people do it at different sort of points of their Epcot day. But, but it is a great, weird, nerdy, old school Epcot attraction. And I did not do it for many years and have done it several times on recent trips and um, rediscovered my love for it. Really, unless you're like riding it in the middle of the day, there's going to be no line. So if, if you want to ride this attraction, you know, ride it anytime after four o'clock, there's going to be no line. Of course, there's no line early in the morning, too, because everyone's going to all the big attractions. You know, it's really only at the middle of the day during lunchtime and stuff like that where the lines build. Um, and I do feel like this attraction, it's going to bore little kids um, and it'll bore adults as well. But we've talked about it many times on Disney vacations you kind of need downtime and this is like the perfect forced, you know, combined with spaceship earth, you know, it's, that's like 30 minutes of downtime where you and your family are just sitting and relaxing and not go, go, go. So, um, it is, um, pretty, pretty good. So let's do a quick tier ranking for this. Leslie, I'm going to give living with the land an a tier ranking. I really love this attraction. Um, yeah, that's right. Leslie. Okay. All right. I, wow. I appreciate I appreciate the growth of plants in Epcot. So I'll give it an A tier. But um, yeah, it, it is. Uh, I'll tell you who hates this ride. My five-year-old like hates this ride. <laughs> she's like, she's uh, like uh, the older kids were going on Soren, And she's like, I don't want to go on Soren. And I was like, okay, I'll take you with living with the land. And she's like, no, anything but that. So we went on Finding the Nemo torture. instead. Yeah. The we torture. Yeah. What tier ranking I'm... would you give it really quickly? I would give it a C. That's crazy. I mean, I don't feel like it's You're better crazy. than than Grand Fiesta Tour. No way. Come on. Come on. I mean, I appreciate the old school, but it still is, you know, kind of boring. Not everybody in the family wants to do it. It's long. And, and you know, like you say, it can have a short line, but, like, I've hit it sometimes where I've had to stand in line for 25 minutes for it. That's far too long. Far oh, yeah. too long. Don't do that. Don't do no. that. <laughs> don't do that come on leslie the guitar at the end all right whatever you're just you're just a hater you know what it's good though because we agreed on our tier rankings for like the other two attractions so it's uh good to end on this um quick disney do or don't i've already alluded to it i've said it multiple times but like do ride these boat attractions because they really do give you especially grand fiesta tour and living with the land frozen ever after you might have to wait in a long line for it so that kind of dulls the effect but stuff like Grand Fiesta Tour and Living with the Land, it's really going to give your family a break in the middle of the day with a short line, hopefully, so that you know you can rest and just kind of get your bearings, not like being on a thrill ride all the time, not being out in the summer heat all the time, walking around at Epcot, you're doing like 20,000 steps a day, easy. So rest your feet, do one of these boat rides, even if you think they're boring because the downtime has a positive effect as well, even if you don't think it's the greatest ride in the world. Totally agree. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we'd love to hear your ideas, your tier rankings for these attractions, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at www.deciphered on Twitter or on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Leslie, where can people find your living with the land hating work on the internet? <laughs> I'm at Trips with Tykes everywhere on social media and tripswithtykes.com. Where can folks find you, Joe? You can find me at As Joe Flies. If you're looking to book a Disney trip, you can email me, Joseph Chung at travelmation.net. And reminder again, you can find us on YouTube uh, now. Uh, please like and subscribe us there, youtube.com slash at Disney Decipher. All right, that does it for our boat rides of World Showcase and the rest of Epcot. 
Ride Guide episode. Thank you so much, everyone, for taking the time to listen to us. Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And I will see you eating at Garden Grill, apologizing to living with the land for an hour straight for hating on it. Thanks, Joe. Thank you.